I'm Robin Mallory Pratt, and this is Transforming Luxury, a new podcast series from the business of fashion, in which we're investigating how market disruption, new technology, and growing consumer scrutiny are driving transformative change in the $300 billion luxury goods market over a special six episode series presented by Klarna. In this episode, we're discussing luxury in the metaverse, a term originally coined by the author Neil Stevenson in his sci-fi novel Snow Crash, which is now widely used to describe how our physical realities will be augmented and overlaid by ambient and accessible digital experiences and services. From stores that guide you from the street to the dress you previously browsed on Instagram, to luxury items designed exclusively for the smart glasses every major tech platform is now working on, as we're about to discover, the future of luxury is already here, it's just not evenly distributed. But what role does an industry traditionally based on heritage, craftsmanship, valuable natural resources and, until now, tactility, have in an increasingly digitized world? Can luxury maintain its relevance in the metaverse? To answer that question, I'm joined by Warner CEO and the man that built Gucci's virtual sneakers, Sergei Arkhangelsky, Alyssa Orbelkova and Paula Sello, the co-founders of Ouroboros, as well as creative technologist Omi Aki. Omi, I'm delighted you could join us. Could you please start us off by explaining what a creative technologist is and also give us an idea about the evolution of augmented and virtual reality in the fashion and luxury industries? Of course. So a creative technologist, there's never been a particularly strong description. A lot of my friends describe it as being a potato in that a potato can kind of do everything. This ranges from obviously immersive technology, whether that be AR or XR, but as well as physical installations. It's anything that kind of marries the digital with the physical world and creating implementations that are mainly code-based to kind of figure out those solutions. In terms of the history of augmented reality, so if you don't remember, Google Class created a wearable headset in which you were able to see a digital overlay in the real world, but it didn't take off too well, I would say. But that is a very early example of where things are heading or where things are going in the general direction now. A lot of people speak of the metaverse, which is essentially some kind of persistent or frictionless digital overlay in your everyday world. This would be contextually aware. So if you wake up, it would be aware of the time of day as well as your environment and kind of find ways to digitally integrate itself in a way that becomes unnoticeable to your everyday and you're able to go about your everyday and have that enabled via technology. Um, And this obviously would translate through whether that be any form of spatial computing, haptic wearables, and anything extending just with a new form of interface in how people interact with the everyday. Could you share why spatial computing and haptic wearables are so important and their potential application in the retail industry? Well, I'd say in terms of spatial computing, it's the most important thing to consider is a lot of these tech companies and a lot of these platforms are working to create a new form of hardware. So traditionally we've had computers or more recently or more commonly mobile phones in that this is now creating a new form of hardware through an AR wearable, which would essentially replace the mobile phone in that it becomes your companion throughout the day. Why that's obviously important is because the traditional ways in which luxury or retailers are used to having their customers access their products or access their content has obviously now been replaced with a new platform or a new hardware or a new interface which they need to familiarize themselves with. It's about being at the cusp of technology and being aware of what's coming so that they are able to proactively react because eventually this will be the most widely adopted form of hardware. What timeframes are we looking at when we think about the big tech platforms releasing this hardware that might be significant enough to change consumer behavior and impact customer-centric retail strategies? 
In many cases, a lot of platforms do have early iterations of AR glasses that are already out and sometimes not available to consumers, but in some cases they are. We have the Microsoft HoloLens, which is a fairly competent device, which is used mainly direct to business. But we also have Facebook developing their own pair, which should be out in a few years. And we also have Snapchat and other companies who are also developing their own forms of AR glasses. But also in terms of considering how this would become something that's accessible. Even just the general trajectory of e-commerce as well, I think is something worth considering. So I think by 2025, the main or the primary distribution form of luxury products is going to be via e-commerce. And that's something that brands need to take note of and start really thinking about their digital strategies and the place that maybe physical retail also plays in terms of how people interact with their brand or have that brand familiarity as well. In most cases, the industry acts reactively rather than proactively to change. And I would say the pandemic was a very big catalyst in a huge shift of interest, especially from the luxury and fashion industries. I think they then learned that older practices that they were maybe reliant on, whether that be physical brick and mortar stores or physical retail, became a lot less accessible to a lot of clients, obviously due to the pandemic and lots of other limitations. Um, there's also very recently been a digital disruption or a renaissance, I like to call it, and it's changed buying habits. And as a result of that as well, I'd say that the luxury consumer has gotten younger, they're digitally native, and traditional retail has struggled to kind of adapt to accommodating to that newer customer. Um, this new customer, they're willing to spend money on items that they're never gonna physically have, and they're happy to spend money on digital items without ever having this tangible product. In your experience, how much do people want to wear branded skins or own digital tokens that are associated with luxury brands? It depends on the individual and their own personal interests. Um, a lot of people and a lot of consumers consider their digital persona almost as a personal extension of themselves. And in many cases, almost their best form. The most important thing to consider about the online environment or being online or being in the metaverse is the ability for an individual to curate themselves. Obviously in the physical world, as odd as that sounds, but in real life, you are perceived as people see you and you don't obviously have much control over that beyond things that obviously you do or say or how you behave. I think the important thing about this new world is at the moment now, I think there's very much a separation between your digital world and your physical world. But when it comes to the metaverse, it's the seamless integration and the frictionless between the two that's extremely important. So how you want to perceive yourself and how you present yourself online now becomes something that you can almost force or allow other people to see yourself in that way due to that seamless integration. So for example, if I decide that one day I want to wear a designer skin, other people will be seeing that through their through those shared spaces, whether that be in the physical world or the digital world, because it is so seamless and you aren't able to tell or differentiate between the two. And I think that's the important thing. Obviously, this is very opportunistic to brands, because if a consumer does have a particular affiliation to that brand or they are very loyal to that brand identity, then obviously they can capitalize on that as well. I think another thing to consider as well is in a digital space, there's obviously a high profit margin because digital products are infinitely scalable. You write one program or you have one object and obviously this can be duplicated, whether it be a million times or one time, it depends on obviously that person's choice. And that's extremely useful in terms of being able to generate things that have multiple streams of income, but also have a lot of impact as well. What are your thoughts on this emerging dynamic between luxury brands and their consumers when some elements of the creative process and creative control are actually being handed over to the consumer through digital technology. 
So a lot of the work that I do is based on image recognition or object recognition, which already proves a crucial point in terms of personalization. The main thing being a consumer needs to have access to that product in their physical space in order to access the digital experience. So I think that's an important thing to consider, especially because obviously a lot of brands are cautious about maintaining their brand. Obviously constraints as well as are an important thing. So if we were to look down the lens of customization or personalization, maybe having a set parameters, whether that be colors um, associated with a particular brand or imagery or patterns, you can give the consumer a choice within a constraint. So whether that be assigned patterns or designs and not necessarily allowing them to upload whatever they want, because obviously you do have to be aware of brand imaging. I think in a lot of cases, you can recognize a luxury product from across the street because you either recognize the silhouette or the shape or the color, making sure that those things that make the product recognizable are still maintained within the digital space and within customization. So allowing a customer to customize aspects but not completely rework the item is particularly important. And also one thing to consider is the customer did purchase that item as that item and they would obviously like people to know that is that item, especially in the luxury industry. So being aware of that and kind of maintaining those boundaries, I think is really important. How significant an opportunity are digital overlays like this in your opinion? That is the main reason behind my approach to augmented reality or digital customization is in terms of it is cost effective and it's sustainable. In many cases, I think we have very much reached this generation where people are buying things to post online. And not only, as you said before, is it indicative in consumption patterns, but also in terms of the resale market and that's exponential growth as well. It's really evident that people are really buying things, wearing them once, and having this notion or having this impression that they can't be worn again. And that, of course, is incredibly upsetting, but also it's very telling that people's priorities have shifted, even though people are investing in luxury goods, which supposedly have longevity and are supposed to last a long time. There's still very much this disposable attitude that when something's in trend, it is in trend. And when something's not in trend, it isn't in trend. One thing that you have noticed, especially in the luxury sector as well, though, is that brands do have strong heritage and they have strong tells and they have strong signs, which makes an object or an item or a product very indicative of that brand. And and you often find that it's often the colorways or the designs, but the initial structure or the structure of classic items do not tend to change much. And that is obviously where I got the idea of this digital skinning that seems seamless, whether it mean buying add-on skins that are season dependent or collection dependent, but you're able to make purchases that last a longer time and are more sustainable because you know that this item grows with you in a digital sense. You still get that instant gratification of having the object and being able to post on social media the object that's relevant of that particular season or that period or that time or that trend, but you're able to do it in a way that is obviously allowing you to make smarter purchases, but also larger purchases from a brand perspective because you're investing more on in that product knowing that it's lasting you a long time. And you also have that guarantee from a brand perspective of repeat consumerism in that if an, a consumer buys an item, you're almost aware that they're going to buy add-on skins or add-on colorways in a digital sense that really require not much uptake from your end but encourages them to keep spending and engaging with that product as well. What are some of the most exciting and impactful innovations on the horizon? So in terms of innovation I think the most exciting thing for me is the marrying of emerging technology that comes beyond XR. So whether that be augmented intelligence, 5G, machine learning, camera vision, etc., soft robotics, neural interfaces, EMG, like I can name loads off the top of my head. To me, they're very important because I think with this new technology, the key is 
a frictionless experience. I would say in terms of people shopping and having this retail experience, the physical store or the brick and mortar store is always going to be a center of experience, whether that be for customer acquisition or whether it be for personalization or just maintaining a good relationship with the brand as well. I think they're always going to be important, but I think it's the technology that enables this to be a frictionless experience. A strong use case or example that I can think of would be if you find yourself, I don't know, scrolling through social media on a smartphone and you come across an image of an object that you like, that you particularly want to purchase or now have expressed an interest in. Later, you still have that object in your mind. You may Google search that, or you may search that online and have a look at it again. Once again, to a computer, this is indicative that you've expressed an interest in it. Now you're walking down the street and you happen to maybe walk past the store of that particular item that the product sold. Walking into that store and seeing that item presented to you first, whether it be a sales associate noticing that you've expressed interest in this item multiple times, or you were having some kind of login or user account with that brand, and then being aware that you've expressed interest in a particular product. And I would say these are the most seamless and realistic implementations that are not too far away that I see happening first. To me, those are the more realistic implementations beyond, I don't know, unrealistic fantasies that people have of augmented reality or the metaverse or digital overlays to me. It's about enabling the experience for the customer and making it seamless. My final question is, how is this technology being used today? And which of the luxury brands is doing it well? So I would say that social media is obviously the most obvious use case of where it behaves well. I think everybody's most common or most frequent interaction with augmented reality at the moment are through AR filters or AR effects, mainly because there's such an ultra low frictionless entry to augmented reality on these platforms, because not only do you already have the applications, you're no longer downloading a standalone app to, in many cases, receive an underwhelming experience, but also you're directly creating the content on the platform, which you plan on sharing it as well. So if you use an AR filter, for example, the likelihood that you are doing that in order to share it is quite high. And having that frictionless experience, I think, is something that's important as well. So I would say AR on social is probably the best case scenario of AR at the moment as well. In terms of who's doing it well, I would say it's the brands that are generating the most conversation about immersive technology. So in luxury, I would definitely say that would be Balenciaga, probably without a doubt due to maybe Afterworld, the video games, which they've used to release their new collections, but also they showcase their latest collection in VR. And I think Gucci specifically have proved that people are willing to spend money on virtual products and not just tangible products. And they're willing to uphold the same value as they are on the physical product as well, which I think was an important lesson for a lot of the luxury industry to learn. My next guest is Sergei Arkhangelsky the founder and CEO of Belarus-based Wana Technologies. Sergei's business was already helping to power elements of Gucci's e-commerce experience when, in 2020, the caring mega brand asked Wana to be the technical partner in creating its virtual sneaker, deemed by many as the most significant proof of concept for luxury digital fashion to date. Before we go on to talk about the metaverse and how digital fashion can overlay our physical world, there are a number of large, vast even, online communities where people are gathering and interacting using digital avatars. What's the opportunity in that space for luxury brands that's potentially untapped and might evolve into something bigger in the future? I think everyone have heard about Fortnite, uh, Roblox, Animal Crossing and different kind of virtual 
world. And as I said, people are communicating here. And actually, in, in many cases, they're not just playing. So they're just playing and communicating. To some extent, uh, games are the social networks of the new generation. A lot of people are just socializing there with their friends. And the same way as the fashion brand has to solve those need of people to express themselves, this is a particular place where people communicate and where people need expression visually because either you see the avatar with each other. Yes, it's not your body dress, but it's an avatar to some extent, your like virtual body. So I think this is the great opportunity for growth, for luxury. You've actually worked with one of the few brands that has taken these ideas and made them reality. Gucci released virtual sneakers that your company Wanna worked on and you were able to wear them both on social media but also in Roblox, which is one of the gaming platforms that Gucci has collaborated with. Can you explain that process to me? So in, in this particular project, we were more like a technical partner for uh, our counterparts at Gucci. And what I really love about them, about their team, is that they have the like, strong vision of the digital fashion and they do understand that this is the new audiences for them, the, the new lovers of Gucci, potential lovers of Gucci, and that they require the new language previously unspoken by fashion brands, like the language of games. And they're willing to go there and uh, speaking the same language. And I think the, the idea of uh, purely digital sneakers for um, social media, for like making uh, pictures, were born somewhere discussions early on with Gucci because we power their uh, try-on experience within Gucci app. And this is um, how we know and how we work with each other. I think there are several like lessons learned from this project. And particularly what I like the most, that the whole idea that you can have this something purely digital, which you don't have physically, it really puzzles people right now. So most of the people, they are puzzled with that. They say, why? Why should I pay money for something which I even can't take? But then people started thinking, okay, it's still like something I can express myself. I still like have a digital but real Gucci. Well, actually, I do buy something purely digital, like you know, music services uh, or, or something like that. So it makes people thinking about the whole case for the digital fashion. And my perception is actually we are in the very early days of this, very, very early. So this is going to grow much larger over the course of the next five years. And so with those projects, with those experiments, we educate both the fashion industry and the fashion consumers or potentially new fashion consumers about those cases. The really limitless number of digital products that you can create is very attractive, I would imagine, to brands that are really going to have to, at some point, as we all will face the music on the impact we are having on the planet that we live on. How have you seen post-physical product conversations change those that you're having commercially or just generally within the AR community that you're such a big part of. I totally agree with you on the uh, sustainability case here. And I think this is one of the values and consumers really get. Because uh, in, as I mentioned, uh, Gen Z audience, according to research, they're less likely to be asked, right? So they feel when something goes natural from brand. 
and the they care about the environment probably more than the previous generations because this is the earth they are going to inherit so in this sense they are more sustainably minded in this sense digital fashion though solving the same task the same job of self-expression it is uh, much much less concerning the the environment because you know it's mostly bits and bytes and yes you have to charge your phone to run those AR experience but it's nothing comparing to dyeing the fabrics somewhere in India on the other hand it has very very clear advantage from the business standpoint because like the margins here like are much higher yeah you, the all you need to produce is 3D model and yes, maybe some technology to, to bring this 3D model. But overall, it's like it's, it's a high margin for brands and immediate delivery. So all those friction which happens in selling fashion items just don't exist. It just doesn't exist here. In this sense, this is really what partially drives the young audience in, in digital fashion experiments. And overall, the ER community, so I think it's the second part of your question was how, how the ER community thinks about it. What do you feel? All of us, we share the excitement of the digital fashion because we see how it helps real people, how it might help brands, how many benefits it brings for both parties. And as I mentioned, we also very excited that it's very early days and no one really knows where it goes to in, in five years. There are a number of options available to brands today as to where they might invest their experiments first. And I'm sure many will invest across the board and see which ones are winning but whether that be creating products and demand for social media for social media add-ons digital add-ons whether that be creating physical products which then have different digital skins that can be applied whether that be creating worlds like roblox where then the gucci garden where individuals can interact with your creative motifs and worlds and, and create their own universe as it were I'm not going to suggest you're a betting man, but where where do you think the opportunity really lies and what do you think it's critical for luxury brands to understand as they enter this whole new world of opportunity? I think there are two points which are critical. So the first one is something which already happens right now. And the second one is what's going to happen like in, in the future. So when we go to the immediate moment, what we see is that the new consumers, they want experience, fashion experience, e-commerce experience. They want them to be more engaging, uh, entertaining, personalized, inclusive, all of that. So there is a still a huge uh, opportunity down the road. And here, I think number one question the fashion brands should ask themselves is, are we communicating with the young audience the way they want? Number two is that uh, as people spend more and more time socializing in digital spaces like games or social media, video calls, there will be the market for digital fashion. It's not someone's choice. It's just like the how the things evolve. And the, the second question they should ask uh, themselves, where do I want to be in this digital fashion market when, when it's here, right? When it's going to be much, much larger. And I think what I would recommend for those brands is to experiment because it's early. It's still like you don't know uh, where it's going to be in five years. You need to learn how to do it, to make 3D assets, how to integrate them in the games. For example, Fortnite is very cartoonish. If you say about Animal Crossings, it's uh, 
also very cartoonish, but for much younger people, right? So the question is how to express my idea of my collection, of my brand in these particular settings. And to be able to answer this question, yeah, yeah you need to be um artist, right? So this is, this is I think, what uh, brands are good at, actually. My next guests are extremely well positioned to comment on creative expression in the digital sphere. Alyssa Orbakova and Paula Sello are the co-founders of Ouroboros, the first dual luxury brand offering digital ready-to-wear and physical couture. They were the first digital brand to show at London Fashion Week. They have collaborated with Burberry and are supported by the Alexander McQueen Saraband Foundation. Paula, Alyssa, the two of you have launched what is undeniably an innovative business. Could you tell me about some of the highlights that have really identified how much the industry has taken notice of Ouroboros? Paula, why don't you start? One of the lights of this year has been showcasing as the first brand with the digital ready-to-wear at London Fashion Week. We were delighted not only to showcase a 14-piece collection, but also a dress from the collection that could be worn across social media, Snapchat as an AR filter, um, access via billboards. The testing ground was across London and, of course, on a global scale. We had up to 2 million people wear the Venus Trap dress. And we loved seeing everyone's content and the creativity that came with it. One of the other fantastic highlights of our year was also showcasing together with Farfetch's partner game, uh, Dressed, in which you can style your favorite avatar, your favorite model as an avatar, and wear the pieces of Ouroboros together alongside some of the biggest brands, such as Balenciaga, and from the avatar, purchase that piece directly for your social media. So it's a direct from avatar to consumer model. Alyssa, what are your thoughts? Actually, we dropped one of our first digital assets in collaboration with the Sarban Foundation and Burberry flagship store in Mayfair. And that piece got immediately sold, which was amazing to see a digital garment to be sold in the physical space and have such interest. One of our first customers was a client from the film industry. So you see how all of these markets are fluidly coming into one and that they can find all they need within the a robber's brand. How have you seen the potential of a digital product grow even since your first project? I mean, the world has changed very much just in the few years that have passed since you were working with Burberry. Well, since coming from this gaming generation, we really understand drop culture and how these games becoming so hyper real and so are movies and VFX. If we look at costume design in Marvel, essentially that is digital clothing that they're wearing. So this industry is not actually that young and we've been playing Second Life and also Sims where we have digital skins. So it's more and more bringing the customer into this uh, gamified experience where they can see something on the avatar but also uh, purchase it for themselves or maybe even for the avatar. So it's all blurring lines between digital fashion and what you wear on your social media. And also what we really haven't seen brands doing in the digital space is exploring the fact that there is no physical uh, limitations to the design, that you can wear fire and that you can wear materials that don't exist. So that kind of creativity and self-expression at such fast turnaround is very appealing for our modern audience because they can change their looks at essentially no material cost. One in 10 people in America now 
buy purely for the sake of wearing that piece for social media. That means that that outfit is already digital. And, you know, having a generation that was able to experience this on their avatars through Sims and Second Life, uh, to now have this for their social media and more personable than ever is really what's going to be shifting the industry on a global scale. And we're really very much at the beginning of this movement. What prompted the decision to launch physical couture and digital ready-to-wear? It really elevates the entire experience for the customer of a luxury fashion brand. And it takes away from the need to produce assets and, and waste as well in the physical realm. So elevating the creativity in the physical with the beauty of the couture and similarly in the digital realm where, you know, people already experience so much creativity in games, you know, Fortnite, League of Legends. Creativity really is the basis for the products in the digital realm. So much more than any ready-to-wear line in the physical world, here the creativity can continue and it's really the monetary base as well. To reiterate, we really are at the beginning of an entirely new movement and collectively understanding fashion and what it means to even have a body. I think in the space that we're now, especially talking about the metaverse, um, there is just no identifiable brand or a narrative. And it was really important for us to create not only the aesthetic, but really translate what a fashion luxury house can be in the 21st century from all the technological advances that we have but also from scientific the collection was heavily inspired by nature but also what's going on in our ecological system and trying to translate that in an emotive way um, has been the key in the biomimicry digital collection again as you were saying a lot of uh, brands just make replicas and we think it's such a shame because technology is an advanced amazing tool for the creativity where you can essentially create anything what comes to your mind but also reference so much from this digital world of gaming and fantasy world and um, Hollywood VFX and sci-fi genres so it's very exciting to be building a new world from scratch essentially. The reason why we even called it ready to work is so that everyone has access to it in the digital metaverse as it opens up to AR glasses, to you know, open world games, from VR chat to AR filters. We just saw a limitless possibility. And so really it then came to the individual creativity and just going, you know, well, what do I really want to see? What do I want to feel with? the importance of sustainability of the first collection of the digital realm and opening up this opportunity to so many different bodies. Myself included, having an other able-bodied uh, body, uh, Elisa coming from uh, Kazakhstan and just being able to see how many opportunities and how many people there are like us that the digital space can touch. It's really thinking about all these uh, personas and characters who were not uh, catered to originally in the fashion ecosystem and being able to fix and optimize that in the digital space by being more inclusive, by creating for people who really care about craft, story and very high quality work. I think we're in such a high paced world that especially with COVID we were able to notice how things and systems need to change 
And in order to do that, you really have to get out of your comfort zone and innovate and present something so holistic in its idea and consumption as well. How important do you think digital fashion could be in altering consumption patterns? How do you see that panning out as both Gen Z founders of a dual luxury brand? Yeah, I think the modern consumer doesn't matter what generation. I think we collectively understand that we have to be more conscious of how we consume and that obviously demand is there of experimenting and expressing yourself. That is our human nature. And that's why we presented a digital ready to wear line as a solution where you don't have to compensate for the fact that we cannot produce anymore. You can still produce in a more creative way as we are with the digital realm. And it's more based on experiences and storytelling than it is for product. And I think that's why adapting artists and communities when you have new technologies and upgrades is important to showcase all these possibilities rather than focusing immediately on the product. Because this is such a new stage where we're all collectively kind of feeling the ground and trying to find a medium that works not only as consumers, but also as creators. So right now, the outcomes are very fluid and very interesting. And uh, it, it is the time to innovate and see how we collectively as consumers, but also as brands are moving into the next decade. Now there's a community creating in a way that we haven't really seen before. If we were to replicate that in the physical realm, it would essentially be large you know, art spaces. So by digitalizing that, you know, it even changes what a product is. It's just the entire ecosystem that completely merges and the community is now what drives that ecosystem. It's no longer really the brands that dictate the vision. And so we are very conscious of that. That's it for episode five. Next week, in the last episode of the series, we're discussing how the luxury industry can respond to the climate crisis with designer Eileen Fisher, communications expert Gail Galley, Aura Blockchain General Secretary Daniela Ott, and ecologist Megan Mikkeljohn. It is such an informative and inspiring conversation. Please do make sure you're following Transforming Luxury wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll be guaranteed to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out. And don't forget to review this podcast and share your thoughts with us. A huge thank you to Alyssa and Paula, Sergey and Omi, and of course, our partners Klarna. Thanks for listening. I'm Robin Mallory Pratt, and that was Transforming Luxury.